Hey, y'all give it up for these men who led worship this morning. Appreciate you guys and serving those three services. You got a Bible with you, 2 Timothy. If you're a guest of ours, welcome. We're actually in the third message series simply entitled, Inspire the Amazing Effect of Motivation. Now, there are three trainers at SeaWorld who have to always be on top of their game. I read about their particular uh, lives and that what they do at SeaWorld, and the reason they got to be on top of their game is because their co-workers average around 9,000 pounds. Those are some heavy co-workers. Uh, those co-workers are actually killer whales. And what they did with these killer whales is they decided that they were going to train them to do tricks using a method that had not been employed before. And they were going to train these killer whales by using a method of simply encouraging these whales when they did what was right. So it was a pretty interesting read as I found out how they taught the killer whales to actually jump out of the water and splash all the people in the stands. They at first began by putting a large ring inside the pool. They would encourage the killer whale through a, uh, some sort of act with their hands to get that killer whale to swim between the ring. And as soon as that whale did that, they would encourage it when it came to water. They would also throw some fish and tuna at the killer whale, which he enjoyed that. And then they would move the ring up. They would move the ring up. Eventually, they would move the ring out of the water until finally that killer whale was jumping out, splashing other people. And this is a method in a book that I read called, listen to the title, Whale Done. And it's literally spelled that way. But I, I thought to myself, okay, let's, let's think about this, all right? If SeaWorld is training killer whales through inspiration, and they are increasing their ability to do what is right, I know we're not killer whales, but I just got to thinking. What if our church body actually came together and we sought to encourage and inspire one another, would that not increase our fruitfulness as a church body? I think it would without a doubt. In fact, as you look at the scripture, you will find that a word of encouragement can go an extremely long way in the life of a person. Listen to what Solomon writes in Proverbs 10 and verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 15 and verse 4 says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. So if you think about it like this, you and I can take inventory of the words that we speak to others. If we could kind of take them off the shelf, so to speak, and line them up, would we find that the words that we are speaking are actually encouraging people and lifting them up, or are we tearing individuals down? Now, my prayer for our fellowship throughout this entire month is that we would increase in our level of encouragement, that we would excel still more in this idea of actually inspiring one another in the family of God. Now, last week, we had the inspirational Frisbees. Y'all remember that? I think I flew some of those to y'all. It's been amazing this past week to see those Frisbees actually passed around through Vacation Bible School as folks are encouraging one another. Also, an encouragement to me is that I saw some of them actually going around even this morning. So it's just a reminder that what we're seeking to do is increase our level of encouragement. Now, here's how we're learning to do it. Paul the Apostle encouraged young Timothy in the ministry. He does this in two major ways by writing two letters. He writes 1 Timothy to him. We also have a letter entitled 2 Timothy, which Paul wrote as he was facing his own personal demise. So he was on his deathbed, so to speak, and he now is writing this particular letter, and he's encouraging and inspiring Timothy. Now, here's the deal. In the same manner that Paul encourages Timothy, I want to this morning encourage you. 
And then I want to also see you take what we learn and begin to encourage others in the body of Christ so that we can all be built up. Y'all down with that? Say yes. All right, very good. There's like five of you down with that. Are y'all down with that? Say yes. All right, so let's notice what the Bible says. So look with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You stand with me in our God, honor of God's word this morning. The Bible says, Paul writing, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, now notice this, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for the inerrant scripture and pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, increasing our fruitfulness as a fellowship as we seek to inspire and encourage one another to love and good deeds. We thank you for what you're going to do this morning. In Christ's name that we pray and everybody said amen. So you can be seated. So three major ways that we can actually encourage one another in the body of Christ. Here goes the very first way that I want to throw at you this morning, and that is to just come alongside somebody and simply say, keep on abiding in Christ. Keep on abiding in Christ. Look at your Bible, chapter 2, verse 1 again. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now this verse is an awesome verse. You got to look at me eyeball to eyeball, though, to catch it for a moment. All right, what he says here is that Paul, speaking to Timothy, Timothy is in Christ Jesus. Now check this out. If he is in Christ Jesus, we find that in Christ there is actually grace that is abounding. And it is the grace that empowers us with the strength to do what the Lord's called us to do. So are y'all with me say yes? So if you want the strength to accomplish God's task in your life, you receive that in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is it that Paul the Apostle is challenging and encouraging Timothy to do? Well, in chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul says to Timothy, I want you to retain the standard of sound words. And the idea of retain means to hold them close, but it also gives the implication that he is to guard the healthy teaching and to disseminate the healthy teaching. So that is a task which God has given him. And then in chapter 1 and verse 14, the scripture says that he is to guard the treasure that has been entrusted to him. Now, I want you to listen to this. The treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the number one assault on the New Testament church today is false teaching. And there are individuals who love to come alongside the pure treasure of the gospel and try to add things to it. And so they may come along and say, well, if you want to be saved, you can trust in Jesus, but you need to add this or that. You need to be baptized in order to be saved. Some people would say, that's a false teaching. You need to make sure that you take the Lord's Supper in order to be saved. That's a false teaching. And so Paul now is telling Timothy to make sure that he guards the gospel. Now, what is the gospel in a nutshell? Here it is, listen closely. A person is saved, listen, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. All right, so think about that. Grace alone, meaning you can't work your way into heaven or into the goodness of God. 
You're not good enough, I'm not good enough. It's grace alone. And then it's faith alone. That means you are trusting not in yourself, but you must trust alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's through Jesus alone. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. Now this task which Paul has given to Timothy is to retain the standard of healthy teaching and to make sure that you guard the truth of the gospel. And then he says, now, you, Timothy, are not going to actually have the strength inside to accomplish this task. You don't have it on yourself. And so what you must do is trust that Jesus has an abundant supply of grace that actually will empower you to accomplish the task. Now, y'all got to listen, all right? Jesus has a pool of absolute grace. His grace is not only grace that saves you from sin, death, and hell, but listen, God's grace actually gives you strength to do what God's called you to do. Now, this is awesome. Because as I think about our church body, God has given you and I a great task in making disciples everywhere. But if I sit back and think, make disciples everywhere, how in the world will we ever accomplish it? How will we have the strength? Here's how we'll have the strength. The strength is in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So you and I, as we, listen, abide in Christ, and I talk about what that means. It means to remain in Him, to walk with Him, to cooperate with Him. When we abide in Christ, check this out, we have an abundant, continuous supply of grace that strengthens us to do what the Lord's called us to do. That's a pretty awesome truth. Now I want you to think about this, all right? I know it's Father's Day, so I got a picture of an awesome car I wanted to show you. Y'all with me on this? So right up here behind me is a 1970, which was made before I was born, just letting you know. But a 1970 Ford Mustang Boss 302 V8 engine. When you look at that, man, don't you salivate a little bit? That's actually in my garage at the house. I wish it was. If you want to put it there, we'll talk. But anyway, so uh, but this, if you look at this car, you think to yourself, my word, that is what we call a muscle car. That vehicle, check it out will go from zero to 60 in seven seconds flat. So it is a muscle car that will get after it. But you know this, check this out. That car cannot do anything unless it has power supplied to it from an outside source. As awesome as that vehicle looks like, and it says boss on the side, that was that title, right? You see that, you know that car's the boss. As awesome as it is, that car needs one of those little rectangular-shaped batteries on the inside. If it doesn't have a battery, you can't even crank it. In a similar fashion, you and I, who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have been gifted by God to accomplish certain tasks. We are gifted by God to serve in the body of Christ. We are gifted by God to make disciples everywhere. But check this out. We cannot even crank ourselves up apart from being supplied with energy from an outside source. And that outside source is the Lord Jesus Christ who remains in us as believers. And when we abide in Him, He supplies the strength necessary to do what He's calling us to do. And I love the concept. Jesus says it in John 15, 4. And y'all got to listen because I'm going to ask you a question. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus talking. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So who's the vine? Yeah, yeah, this is class, all right. Who's the vine? Yeah, and who are the branches? We are. Now check it out. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now check it out. Apart from Jesus, what can we do? Absolutely nothing. But when we abide in Christ, when we cooperate with him, when we walk with him, when we get on his game plan, that is when God, by his grace, allows us to bear fruit that remains. And all of us have been called to live a fruitful life for the Lord Jesus Christ. We bear fruit through sharing the gospel and leading people to Jesus. We bear fruit in our own life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. These fruits show up in our life, listen, when we abide in the root. Now, I've said it like this for years, but you abide in the root and you'll bear automatic fruit. You don't run up on a vine tree and see a branch from that vine grunting, trying to produce its own fruit. Doesn't do it. It produces fruit because it's connected to the vine. So you and I, as we connect ourselves, as we are abiding in Christ, we can be a fruitful fellowship. And God is calling, and that's what I'm praying. I'm praying this, right? I'm praying for our Mexico mission team. Listen to this. That they would keep on abiding in Jesus. I'm praying for those who serve in our children's ministry that they would keep on abiding in Jesus. For those in our student ministry, they're leaving tomorrow, going to beach camp. I'm praying that they would keep on abiding in Jesus. I'm praying for you who are teaching in our community groups that you would keep on abiding in Jesus. Because here's what I know. If you and I will quit trying in and of our own flesh to do things and simply trust Jesus who lives within us, fruit will show up out of nowhere. We abide in Christ, we walk with him in cooperation, and it's amazing what the Lord will do. Keep on abiding in Christ. Listen to what Charles Stanley notes, and I quote this. He says, the only way we can play a significant role in the kingdom of God is to allow Jesus to live his life in us and through us. While apart from him, we can do nothing. In him, check this out, we can do anything that he calls us to do. So it's like, what has the Lord called you to do? If you sit there and you look at what God has called you to do, just as I do, as I look at what God's called me to do, I can't do this. And God's like, I know. That's why you need to abide in my son. And when you do, I will overwhelm you with grace that will actually empower you to do what I'm calling you to do. So that when it is accomplished, you don't get the credit, God gets the credit. And that's a massive concept. Keep on it. Listen. Look at me, eyeball to eyeball. Y'all listening? Say yeah. It's like a little revival sermon right here. Look at me. Are you abiding in Christ? Are you walking in cooperation with the Lord in your life? Are you cinched down to what God has called you to do in the body of believers here at Concord, if you're a member here? If not, then I'm just going to tell you, abide in Christ. If you are, I'm going to tell you, keep on abiding in Christ. Keep on, keep on, keep on. And then here's the second truth, all right? Keep, and this is the one I got zero amens for the past two services, so we'll try you guys out, all right? Keep training others who can train others. And that's another word of encouragement to you. Paul gives it to Timothy. I'm giving it to you. Keep training others who can train others. So look again at 1 Timothy 2 and verse 2. 
The Bible says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now notice here, he says, all right, Timothy, you remember what I preached. You remember the gospel truths that I shared? You were there listening to me preach. You remember everything that I delivered. Now, you take what I have delivered to you, and check this out, you entrust it to other faithful men who can then teach it to others, who can then teach it to others, who can then teach it to others, who can then... And as a result of their faithfulness, we're here today. But I want you to think about this, all right? The word entrust, it gives the imagery of making a deposit into a bank. In the same way you deposit something into the bank and expect the bank to take care of it, Paul says to Timothy, find men that you can entrust the gospel truths with so that they can share it with others. Deposit the truth into their life so that they can give it to other individuals. This is known as the ministry of multiplication in the Bible. Uh, This is the idea of discipling other people who can disciple other people. See, listen, you didn't come to church, I pray, to simply receive a word from the preacher and then roll out of here. Hopefully you came that you might receive a word from God and then you could actually go out now and share that word with somebody else. Train someone else. Lead someone else. God has gifted you to serve in the body of Jesus Christ. Are you serving in the body and bringing people alongside you and investing in them, training them to serve in the same area? Now, this is huge, all right? Um, are y'all with me? Say, yeah, because I knew it wasn't going to go very well with this message, but I, I dig it big time. This idea of investing in others, right? I'll just tell you, right? I, I've done it, and it works. It's crazy. I'll tell you this, all right, over a year I met with Casey Riles. Casey was up here leading worship just a minute ago, uh, singing and playing the guitar. Over a year he and I met for lunch. Uh, This is one reason I like El Rey so much, y'all with me? But sit down with him and I was teaching him certain gospel truths that have been entrusted to me. Now here's the deal, when I started meeting with him, I said, all right, here's what we'll do. I'm going to meet with you, we'll go through this together, but I want you to take what you learn and actually teach somebody else. So three weeks ago, I get a, um, basically a word from somebody to let me know what was going on with Casey, that Casey now is actually meeting with another church member every week and teaching him the exact same thing. Do do y'all see this? Train someone who can train other people. A lot of training can happen even off-site of this campus where you're just investing in other people. You come along, men, listen, men, you come alongside another man and you help that man grow in his faith. You spend time investing the truths that God is teaching you through his word into that man's life. Encourage him. Ladies, you do the same thing with other ladies. Train them, encourage them so that they can train others and it continues to move. It's a ministry of multiplication. And if you're not careful, you may sit back and say, well, I can't train other people, I'm not a teacher. I'm not asking you to be a teacher. Listen, I'm not a chef, but I can make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You may not be a chef as it comes to teaching, but you can make a sandwich. And you ought to start making some and investing in the lives of other people. You'll be shocked, by the way, right? When you invest in the lives of other people, you'll be shocked to find out how much you grow. That's all you're seeking to do, right? Uh, Matter of fact, that's our, our whole community groups here at Concord. 
are really based primarily on 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, what do you mean? Here's the deal. We are creating a leadership development process where our teachers are training other teachers, where our in-reach leaders are training in-reach leaders, outreach leaders training other outreach leaders, and so it goes on and on. And as we do that, we plant new classes. As we do that, we plant new groups. And that's how we multiply. That's how we reach more with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's pretty awesome, right? I received a letter, which was actually to the whole church, just addressed to me. But it was from the Georgia Baptist Convention. And it basically said, just want to let you guys know at Concord Baptist Church that y'all are the third fastest growing small group in all the state of Georgia. Now, when I received that, I said, who's beating us? <laughs> no, I started thinking, what? How is it that that's occurring? It's through the leadership of people like Randy and JoJo and our captains in our Sunday school or community groups we call them now. Our community group leaders, they're investing, they're investing. That's how we're reaching people. And this is the same principle that we have to learn as a fellowship as we begin to plant satellite fellowships. As we begin to go outside these doors and start new satellites... It is going to be absolutely vital that we begin to raise up leaders among us who can go and help reach other counties for Christ. Now, I want you to think about this, all right? Because this is pretty huge, right? It's all based on 2 Timothy 2, too. Y'all ever found it like this, right? I grew up in church, right? And I heard preaching, but I never heard that I can recall somebody say, you know, I think we ought to do that. In other words, it's more information kind of relay, but nobody sat back and said, maybe we ought to try Y'all with me? And when it comes to gospel truths, we ought to hand these things down. We ought to give these up. I will say it to you like this. Concord Baptist Church. Everybody look at me. I bought an eyeball. I'm trying to share with you. And that, man, a few weeks, I got great news from the personnel team, our vision team. We're on the verge of launching our first satellite. I'm pumped about it. That's all I'm going to tell you. But, but here's what Concord has to become and continue to become. Concord has to become a farm system. Y'all know the major league Major League Baseball, they all have farm systems. It's where they raise people up so that they can go to the major leagues. Concord has to become a farm system where we are training people who can train others. Training people who can train others. We've got to be developing leaders, developing people for the cause of Christ, and we send them out so they can make an impact in our culture. Now check this out. I want you to hear this closely, all right? A church and her impact is not measured on how many people they can stuff in the building. A church is measured, and its impact is really measured by how many they send outside of the building. Listen, we can throw something up here, man, and pack the house. That doesn't mean we're making an impact in the kingdom. So we want to raise up. Send them out. Raise up and hand out the truths. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy, take these, give it to faithful men, and let them teach others. We do the same thing. And we hand these things down. Now, check this out. We don't hand everything down. Y'all with me? Let, let me explain this to you. Friday night, I went to Dollar General because my little girl, Maddie, had an earache. So Krista said, well, you run up there and get some eardrops. So I went to Dollar General, went looking for these eardrops, couldn't find them to save my life. Finally, a lady who worked there helped me find the shelf where they're supposed to be, but it was empty. But there's another lady down there on the same aisle. She says, excuse me, sir, did you say somebody's got an earache in your family? I said, yes, ma'am. Well, how old uh, is she? And uh, I said, well, she's eight years old. She said, well, I got an old home remedy. 
that will help you. And I thought, I love home remedies, you know what I mean? Y'all like home remedies, they're free. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, tell me what your home remedy is. Now, I already told you, you don't need to hand everything down, y'all with me? But here's what she said to me. If you take some of her urine and pour it in her ear, it'll heal her. <laughs> Can I tell you this? Look at the preacher, all right? I have tried to unhear that all week long, all right? The, the sad thing is somebody tried that. So you can imagine some redneck. I got an idea. <laughs> if you do it, please don't share with people in our church. That will ruin our time of welcome. Y'all go around and shake hands. I ain't shaking that man's hand. I'll tell you one nasty joke. This is the idea, though. We, uh, we, we take what we have received from the Lord and we hand it out to other people. This is our calling. We train people who can train others. Now, I've got to give you the last thing. I've got to hustle up here. I'm skipping a few things, but I want you to see this. Third thing is we go alongside people and we say, keep enduring the difficulties. Keep enduring the difficulties. Let me do it like this so I don't spend too much time on it. Look, look at verse 4. He says, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So now Paul is using a soldier to describe how Timothy should be serving in the body of Christ. He says, you're like a soldier of the Lord. The Lord himself enlisted you in his army, and now you serve in the context of the army of Jesus Christ with absolute faithfulness. And then check out what he says, because I love it. He says, make sure you don't get entangled with the affairs of everyday life. Now look at me. Come on in here, all right? Look here. God has gifted you to serve in the body. God has brought you to this fellowship to help make disciples everywhere. Y'all with me say yes? All right, come, come here, come here. You're gifted to serve. Now, are you? Are you doing what the Lord's called you to do? Or, check it out, check it out. The, the, the idea of being uh, basically caught up in the affairs of everyday life, it's the same word to mean entwined or tied up or interwoven. Are you allowing things of no eternal value out here come in here and tangle up your life and keep you from doing what God has saved you to do. Uh, listen, it, it, I get nervous when we talk to people about serving and using their gift and they say, well, I just ain't got time for that right now. I got other stuff going on. Be careful. You might be allowing the affairs of everyday life to come in here and tangle you up and keep you from doing what God's called you to do. And then he says it right the next, are y'all with me say yes? I knew that, that, that point in the sermon didn't go well the other two services either. But you got to think long and hard about that. If you're not careful, you're going to spend your wills, your whole life investing in things that make no difference for eternity. But you're a soldier of the Lord. Be careful you don't get so tied up in the way the world thinks and the way the world operates that you miss out on what God saved you to do. Look at the next verse, uh, 5. Well, let me give you the rest of uh, I didn't even give you three. Look at that one. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus. I love that. Verse 5, he says, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So here Paul says, he goes from a soldier now to a, the Greco-Roman Olympics. It's the idea of somebody who's running a race. He says, you need to run the race. Run the race that God has laid out for you. Don't cheat. Don't put it on the back burner. 
lean ahead, stay focused on the mission, stay focused on what God saved you to do, and you run after, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when you're busy. Keep focused. In verse 6, uh, he says, the hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. So check this out. He goes, and I love it, he goes straight from being a soldier to being an athlete, now to being a farmer. Now, uh, we had a garden in our backyard before we moved here. I went down to where my dad works. He works for the railroad and picked up four cross ties, put them in the back of the truck, and brought them to our house and put them down in a square, filled it up with dirt, and planted anything I could find at Lowe's and Home Depot. Y'all with me? And I had stuff coming out of my ears up there. And what's amazing, though, is when it began to grow, you know who the first one was to try it? Me. Y'all all right? My kids tried to eat a cucumber before I got a hold of it. I slapped it out of their mouth. Y'all listen, get that thing out your mouth, girl. <laughs> this is the concept. Paul saying, Timothy, listen, you're like a farmer. You, you till up the ground through prayer. You plant the seed of the gospel. You serve using your gift in the body. And when, when a crop comes, you'll be the first to enjoy it. Now, look at the preacher, because I want you to hear this, all right? Some of you have a crop that you can't enjoy because you're not doing what God's called you to do. So really, when I back it up, I say it like this. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about your life. I'm trying to say to you, look, God has a crop that he wants you to grow. And if you get out there and you begin to, through prayer, till up the ground, plant the seed of the gospel, serve using your spiritual gift, there'll be fruit that will come of it and you'll enjoy it. Some of y'all are missing out on a meal that God wants to give you. And typically the reason that uh, we miss out on the meal is because we're entangled. We're caught up. All right, y'all with me? Got heavy real quick. Y'all real quiet this morning. But I, when I write sermons like this, right, the Lord preaches to me first. Y'all with me on that? So it's not like I'm up here saying I got it all together. I'm just saying, hey, man, this is what the Lord's teaching me. Let me give it to y'all, see what y'all can do with it. <laughs> so, I, 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 you know, I put the sermon, I always type them out, but I, I wrote down some questions that I asked myself. And this is like look in the mirror questions. So that's what I want you to do. I'm going to, matter of fact, let's do this. Let's just have every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking right now.